The Moton Mailbag is brought to you by the Robert Russo Moton Museum, located in Farmville, Virginia. The Moton Museum is a civil rights museum focusing on the history of Prince Edward County between 1951 and 1964. My name is Kanan Townsend, Director of Education and Public Programs at the Robert Russo Moton Museum, and welcome back to the Moton Mailbag. And I'm Leah Brown, the Assistant Director of Education. The Moton Mailbag is a weekly listener question show. Each week we'll answer questions about U.S. history, African-American culture, civil rights, and more. Feel free to submit your questions via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moton Museum. Or you can just email us at info at motonmuseum.org. So, Leah, mm-hmm. how is life? How is COVID? How is everything? It's going, you know. We're just trying to make the best of a bad situation. Yeah. That's, that's where I am. What's your your new favorite quarantine activity? Planning trips. Planned one this morning. <laughs> I mean, so that long, that long pause, like boredom. Boredom is my new yeah, favorite activity. Yeah, because <laughs> um, like you can only clean but so much. Yep. Because if it's already clean, you're just wasting product at that point. Yep. Um, like Netflix a lot on Netflix. Nice. Big Mug and Hulu, you know, just branching out. <laughs> streaming services that's where i am you know yeah it's it's yeah you can only i I can only binge my favorite show so many times before Mm -hmm. i'm going crazy and need Mm -hmm. something else give me something let us go outside please 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 please. soon um oh yeah when when it's appropriate when it's appropriate yeah i thought about buying a glider for in front of my house which i'm not going to but i thought about it real hard a glider yeah it's kind of like a swing for old people like me you just like scoot, scoot, scoot back and forth. Is it that's like the moving chair with the moving stool part? No. Or is that something different? <laughs> no. I think we had one for my kid. Like, but I, don't, I thought it was called a glider, but maybe that's. I mean, probably else. it's probably a variation on the theme. It's like a rocker, but like it has a stool yeah. part, and that part also rocks. So, so it, it limits it the range of motion. But yeah, you just scooch back and forth. Well. Yeah. I have thought about <laughs> purchasing. A lot of dumb stuff, but I don't want to raise Amazon stock anymore, so I'm yeah. gonna I'm cooling it. <laughs> I did the whole like, oh let's let's spend money and then it's like no, let's not. Yeah, Cause let's, then I look you may get it in May. Why would I give you money now? Let's save. Let's all but, save. You know. <laughs> yeah. Let's all save. Um well thank you to those who <laughs> uh sent in your questions. I mean if that's something y'all want to comment on this with, like, what are kind of things that y'all doing? What oh, activities, yeah. you know, what weird purchases do you have to make? Like, what are your stores missing because everybody's buying them in bulk? Like, tweet at us, Facebook, Instagram. Do you have any new hobbies? Please help us. <laughs> and it's interesting. We just want to have a conversation. Yeah. Um, so we've got a couple questions for you all. Thanks for those who did send them. Please keep sending in your questions because that's how we keep this thing going. Um, but we've got you know three, four questions that we're going to ask and, and chat about here today. If Leah, are you ready to get started? I am ready. You are ready. All right. Let's start with question number one. Unsung heroes of the civil rights movement. And let me preface, for the purpose of this, let's let, let's quantify what the, the time period of the civil rights mm. movement uh let's say for art museum purposes let's say 1951 <laughs> to 1968 oh yeah yeah that's good 
Is that that's a good range? I think in terms of what we're how we're defining it. Of course, there was stuff after that, but like I think '68 was what Fair Housing Act, and that was like the last, not the last, but the last kind of in that time period, like major kind of civil rights legislation. Sounds right. I don't Fair housing, know. affordable housing, at something, something Some, like that. Something. But I think that seventeen-year span is probably a yeah. good honing endpoint. Because definitely, people in the nation have been fighting for rights oh, yeah. since the nation started and before that. So it's nice to have a little like this is their time frame. You want to go first? I thought you were going first. I can go first. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, so my answer was is, is a kind of a cop-out answer, but I do have a specific answer as well. But I said any woman. Um, I don't think any woman in the movement get nearly as much credit as they have earned, as they deserved, and that reflects the amount of work that, that women put in during that time period. Um, you know, I, I think for a local example, I, I gave Adelaide Griffin, who was the wife of uh, Reverend L. Francis Griffin. You know, I, I don't think he gets talked about enough, but certainly I don't think that she gets it's talked about enough for for everything that she has 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 done and i don't mean only like the first first ladies of the civil rights movement i mean people people really on the front lines people really doing the work and and those support roles as well um i don't think we talk about women enough in history in general agreed absolutely 100 um, we need to really work on 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 doing better but you know that's that's a process and we are working about and that's why and, that, and that's why it's so special i think for me working at moton where a, a big kind of catalyst of our story is a 16 year old african-american female barbara ruth johns um but yeah i think in general all women you know unless it's rosa right people aren't really talking about women from the civil rights movement even when like you know so the rosa parks montgomery bus boycott that was planned but you know eight months, nine months before that, there was another girl, Claudette Colvin, who got arrested on the bus for doing the same thing. Like, she just get talked about really, you know, widely. You know, there's just so much more room to talk about women who are part of the movement. Absolutely. I just finished um, Lighting the Fires of Freedom, African-American Women in the Civil Rights Movement. Nice. Yeah. So, that's a beautiful segue. Um, so, it kind of, you talked about Gloria Richardson... Leah Chase, who I, oh my gosh, she's amazing to me. I'm in awe of her. Was, like, one of the women profiled in what she did. Like, she was the chef. She has passed away. Not just because you have the same first name. Yeah, well, that helped. But also, <laughs> <laughs> but also um, like, she was from New Orleans. And her husband's family's restaurant, Dookie Chase, she was like, we're going to have high quality. Um, restaurant experience for African Americans, again limited to like African Americans, they couldn't eat in restaurants. Right. So to have an actual experience is a big deal. And then like she fed a lot of civil rights leaders. They just were like, oh hey, come on in. She'd have food ready for them. So you know, just stories like that. <sighs> I just have a lot of a lot of emotions and feelings about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I. Actually, who I picked was Ella Baker. She nice. um, was part of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, Conference Council, one of SELC. <laughs> but she also inspired students with SNCC, mm -hmm. the Student Nonviolent. Of course, the letters are escaping. Coordinating right. committee. Thank you. <laughs> no um, worries. Alphabet soup. Yeah, yeah. Her mentality was. Anybody and everybody can and should 
purchase to give the people the tools to stand up for themselves. Um, she actually, this is new to me. I recently found this out. She was an NAACP um, field secretary. Nice. So she would go and ask people to sign up to be part of the NAACP and the Deep South, but it was dangerous to have the political affiliation. So it was kind of like advocating for communities within that community, but also realizing that it was a danger to it. Right. Um, so her big thing was grassroots to give the people the power to help themselves. You know, don't depend on a particular leader, but everybody can has a voice and they can use it. So, yeah, she's she's up there for me. You know, this will be an interesting conversation to come back to because this would be 30 minutes. But, like, talking about, like, the the, the clash of the, the black movement and the women's movement, um, yeah. the numerous, numerous clashes, and how often the women's movement got put on the back burner. Um, heck, today still kind of does, I feel like. Um, I feel like it gets put on, on the back burner. But that, I think that's a, just an interesting topic that we can talk about yeah. at a that's later a date because we could be here for an hour talking <laughs> about that. Um, and we could be here an hour talking about this next question two okay so question two does racism still exist don't take your headphones out don't stop listening don't pause it's okay we're gonna break this down Mm -hmm. this is a big question we could spend the whole episode talking about this and we have plenty of time to do that so that's okay let's take a deep breath we're gonna be okay we're gonna we're gonna go through this Mm -hmm. short answer yes absolutely yes but we want to for the purpose of this conversation going forward, we want to have some definitions. And there's no, there's a lot of definitions out there, but we just went with Merriam-Webster just so we can all be sort of on the same page. And so there are four terms we want to define just for the sake of the conversation going forward. Racism, bias, discrimination, and prejudice. There are nuances that make all four of those terms different, but there is certainly overlap. But they often get used interchangeably, but they are not exactly the same. Um, sort of like equality and equity, right? Mm. Not exactly the same. There are some pretty significant differences. So let's start with the word that's in the question. Racism. A belief that race is the primary determinant of human traits and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. I'm going to add a word in there that was initially in there. What is race, right? Race is, is, is a social construct. It's not real but it has real consequences Mm -hmm. it's not scientific it's not medical it's not found in any any you know any significant research or well it does have research but like it's not uh you know anthropology it's it's purely observational you look like this i'm putting you in this category it's different from ethnicity absolutely and and because ethnicity is related to culture it's it is scientific it is medical it is it is certainly common traits but it's, it's more scientific, right? So I am black and I'm African-American. Black is race, African-American is culture, ethnicity, right? You know, you can be black and you can be German. You can be black and French. You can be black and Dutch. You can be black and Brazilian. You can be black and Spanish, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Not the same thing. Many folks who I've seen here who come, especially to play sports, uh, for local college here, Longwood, you know, I'm from the UK, you know, black guy from the UK, you know, like, oh, yeah, you're African-American. He's like, I'm what? I'm like, no, like, I'm, I'm British. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm black and British, right? So there's the kind of what's the difference between race and ethnicity. Um, let's go into bias. Definition of bias. Have an inclination of temperament or outlook, especially a personal and sometimes unreasoned judgment. Prejudice can kind of sometimes tie into that bias part as well. Let's go to discrimination. A prejudice or 
prejudicial outlook, action, or treatment. Example is racial discrimination. The second definition, the act, practice, or an instance of discriminating categorically rather than individually. And then the last definition, prejudice, injury or damage resulting from some judgment or action of another in disregard of one's rights, especially detriment to one's legal rights or claims. All right, so there's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of words that may be in all of those definitions. However, they, they, they are different. Um, for, for, for one, racism is, is systemic, right? Mm -hmm. It's a big, broad spectrum. It's a big, broad conversation we'd have to have around it. Uh, I think Lee and I both feel like, you know, a lot of people feel like, oh, I'm not, I'm not racist if I'm not in a hate group um, or hate organization or a supremacy group. But I think it's more important to think about racism as a spectrum rather than a are you, aren't you. And I think that's kind of that dichotomous way of thinking that we usually have. I, either I am or I'm not, right? The supporting policies that, you know, overwhelmingly discriminate against people of color, right, which, I could, which you would consider a racist policy, right, if they're being disproportionately affected, you know, is supporting a policy that is, is a racist policy, does that make you racist? I don't think it's that simple, but I think that's a conversation worth, worth having. I mean, it's about power structures as well, like systemic, how infrastructures, systems are built. Sometimes we're built with racist, racialized intentions. Right. Racialized intentions means a particular group, which is limited or what they could do is change just based upon an unreal perceived concept because race itself is not real. Um, so you have that dynamic and then depending on like ethnicity, like somebody's cultural identity, depending on what that is, that could change or they could be limited because of racialized systems. So it's, it's a can of worms and a half, but it definitely still exists and it has direct impact on people, on citizens, American citizens every single day. Very recently, and it's, and it's really good that you brought that you said what you said in terms of systemic, um, uh, systemic oppression, systemic racism. Is that the Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court, recently just ruled it was a six to three split decision, uh, but they ruled to overturn laws that were in, let's say, Oregon. There were some there were some states that essentially the, the hung jury, right? They they passed laws in the early twentieth century to basically you don't have to have a, a unanimous jury to commit convict somebody of a crime and essentially those laws are put in place specifically to because they couldn't like not consider black jurors they put those laws into place to make sure that black jurors if they were on juries they wouldn't their vote wouldn't matter mm -hmm. so you could have a split jury like a nine to three or you know ten to two whatever jury and you could convict whoever you wanted to convict without considering them so the supreme court ruled to overturn their law to say that they have to, you know, because the law was put in place specifically to discriminate against African-Americans uh, and black people, you know, that they had to, they had to flip that, they had to, to overturn that law, um, which is which is really, really interesting. But I think in terms of racism, I mean, you have to look at the system. You have to look at, you know, when it was put in place, why it was put in place, how it was put in place. Nothing's really done by, by accident. Um, if you haven't seen a good documentary, I rep recommend on uh, Netflix, I mean, the 13th, right? Um, I think it's very, very important to look at, read the 13th Amendment. Just go read it, and you'll understand the the 
seeds that eventually will sprout into the big tree that is the prison industrial complex uh, that has many, many more people of color per capita than there are people of color in the country per capita, um, percentage-wise. You know, I, I think we have to have that conversation. Um, so, so yes, I mean, I think people are starting to take more notice of it. I think in Virginia, fairly recently, there was a, a task force uh, through the Attorney General's office to remove kind of those Jim Crow remnants from our, our state legal code. Um, we weren't enforcing them, but, like, they were still on file. Uh, and so, in theory, somebody could have enforced it. So they, was, you know, they read through all the code and they got rid of all that, you know, Jim Crow uh, type type language. Um, it certainly still exists. I mean, I think that's the that's the big thing. As long as there are people, there there will be racism. However, I think in terms of combating racism, um, it's about educating yourself and others. It's about getting out and meeting people who are different than you and just and just being open minded. Um, again, think of racism as a spectrum, not either you are or you're not. I mean, I'm sure everybody has racist tendencies in some capacity. I'm not calling anybody specifically racist. I'm just saying in some capacity. However, we can do our best to combat those and to educate ourselves and educate others. And part of that is holding people accountable. Um, people will say different terms. It's like, oh, well, what did you mean by that? Why did you pick that word? All the words in the English language, this is the one you went with? So, you know, being comfortable being uncomfortable to address it when it happens got to be brave but you got to do it it helps I, I think yeah accountability is huge um accountability is huge don't it, it's a it's a confrontation is a scary thing but i think if you come at it from a place of what did you mean by that as opposed to you're a terrible person yeah. you know then that can go a long way delivery um because that's happened to me multiple i mean multiple times you know i was in uh uh, I'll give an example. So I was in, I was leading a session. Um, uh, I was at a, con a conference presentation and I was talking about race and museums. Uh, and uh, one of the participants said, oh yeah, I met, you know, something, something, something. This one lady and she was, she, she used the word oriental. Um, mm. And so we, and I had, you know, I did not, you know, lambast or anything like that, but we had to, you know, I, I waited until the situation was at a point where I could go and just like, hey, just so you know, I mean, we, and I'm not trying to be, you know, it's not about being PC police or anything like that, but like it, just that word is, is offensive to many. Uh, and, and, and here's a more, you know, appropriate term that you can maybe use to describe who you were, who you were talking about. Um, you know, it was as simple as that. And she was very, very appreciative because, you know, she probably used that word fairly, not often, but whenever she saw a person of Asian descent, she probably used that word. Um, and so it's a matter of like, hey, look, like, I know you didn't mean anything by it. I could tell by the way that you said it. However, here's, you know, a better word maybe to use towards those populations. Anything else on that one? It's a heavy one. Yeah, it's very heavy. It's a... But important. It's a hard conversation to have, but it's very, very important because um, it helps inform how American society is, you know. As a historian, I've seen it, seeing how it was built, how it was put in place, the laws that supported it how the persistent persecution and terror tactics. I mean, it's it's part of the American story and to not talk about it doing a disservice. Absolutely a disservice. One of my favorite quotes is racism racism is is as American as apple pie. Mm. I mean it's Yep. Or or baseball well. or, or you know it, <laughs> It is what it is, but yeah. we have to do what we can to combat and continue to try to progress. Yeah, 
Because if you don't address it, how if you don't know it's a problem and don't say it's a problem, it's not a problem until it absolutely positively is. But pretty clear it's a problem or an issue. And, and I think if, if you're not, I think another note, like if you're not impacted by racism, I mean, it's hard to see, right? Like yeah. that's the big thing. You know, how can, you know, we all are a product of our own environment and our own circumstances and our own, you know, place in this world, you know, so this, just trust people, right? Like if they say Absolutely. that something's happening, yes. like believe them until they give a reason not to. Um, because it's so difficult, like, oh, how could they have this experience? Like, I've met this person. I've never had a bad experience with them. But, like, it's it's different, right? Everybody's not the same. Um, whether, you know, whether it's law enforcement or education or health, you know, health. Like, we have the statistics. We have the yes. numbers. We have the facts to show. Even with coronavirus. I mean, I don't, I didn't intend to get down this rabbit hole. But, like, the, it's disproportionately impacting people of color, mm-hmm. which people of color are not the majority of people in this country, right? Like and that, yet here we are. That's at least beckon the question, why is that? Um, and it goes to a broader, broader, broader answer. But like, that's at least like, yeah, why is, why are 100% of the cases in this city African-Americans? And they're not only African-Americans in the city. Hmm. And then to go back to your point of believing a person, absolutely. If somebody trusts you enough to be vulnerable and say, this is hurting me, you don't get to say it does not hurt them. Because they are a person. They know their feelings and their emotions. Just listen. That's the first step. Just listening. Yeah, that got heavy. But that's okay. Because it was an important question. Yeah, it's an honest question. Relevant. I think we've got time for one more. Okay. You ready? Do you want to ask that or do you want me to ask? I'll ask it. Okay. (laughs) What is your favorite state to visit? Yeah, talk about a change in uh, (laughs) pace. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, this we didn't, is the cool down portion. Yeah, we wanted to end on you know a bit of a light note. Um, my favorite place to visit. So we're located in Virginia, which I love. Virginia, you can't throw a rock uh, in any direction without hitting something historic in Virginia. Virginia history wise or U.S. history wise. Um, but I can't pick Virginia because I live here. So my favorite <laughs> state to visit, honestly, is, is probably New York State. Um, now, I, I looked at this question under the premise of, you know, it's a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there, um, and I would not want to live in New York. However, I would love to, I love to visit New York. I've visited on multiple occasions. The food, the culture, the people, I mean, I'm, a, I'm kind of an introvert, so I don't like being around big crowds, but, you know, I, I could deal with it if it, I could go to, you know, Madison Square Gardens or... Uh, when I went, I was on Letterman. I got to be on Letterman, which was really cool. You know, like there's this, and that's just the city, but like the whole state in general. I mean, there's so much cool stuff, whether in New York or Buffalo or, or Albany or wherever. Uh, it's just a really nice state, and it's got a bunch of stuff to do. Yeah, I just love New York. I love New York. What about you, Leah? I'm going to say North Carolina. Um, I lived there for two years, hence, you know, with NC State and Raleigh. I love Raleigh. Uh, it's like a second home. My, I have family throughout North Carolina, so if I need to be like, hey, I'm coming down, I'd know I have a couple places I can stay. I am um, love the Outer Banks. That was the trip Outer I planned Banks. this morning. Like, yes. when I can get there, please. Um, so, yeah, every region of Carolina, I have pretty good memories. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's my favorite spot to visit. And, and, and geography-wise, we can go to 
plenty of big places in North Carolina quicker than we can get to many other places in Virginia. Yes, two hours from Durham. <laughs> We're in That's the great. heart of Virginia, you know, two hours from Durham. <laughs> what would that be? Two and a half from Raleigh, something like that. Yes, two and a half. Like it'd be five hours. It'd be five hours to get to Bristol. Like, yeah, no, mm -hmm. it's or three hours to Northern Virginia. Like, yeah, no, I can, yeah. I can take a ride to That's North Carolina. Oh man. <laughs> So, I guess that about wraps it up for this week, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's noon. I was wondering. I was like, what on earth? I was like, what is that sound? Sorry, the church bells are in the background. I was like, oh, man, I hope the, the mics can't pick it up. They're pretty sensitive, so they might. So, that concludes our episode this week for the Moten Mailbag. Next week, Monday, same time, same place. Check your podcast feed. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google uh, Play Store. I think that's what that's called. And anchor.com. Uh, just look at the mobile mailbag. Please keep sending in your questions, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or email us at info at And that's it for this week. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening.